Hey folks, this podcast goes beyond the saddle as we explore professional careers across the equine industry. I'm your host, Katie Kleinbell. Let's tack up and head out. Travis Burns is an associate professor of practice in the Department of Large Animal Clinical Sciences at the Virginia Maryland College of Veterinary Medicine at Virginia Tech. Travis is a certified journeyman farrier with therapeutic and educator endorsements from the American Farriers Association. He is also a fellow in the Worshipful Company of Farriers from the United Kingdom. He has served the American Farriers Association in the past as president, regional director, chairman of the education committee, and tester. He currently serves as an examiner for the association's certification program. Travis attended Farrier School at the North Carolina School of Horseshoeing. He received a Bachelor of Science degree from North Carolina State University and a Master of Science degree from the Royal Veterinary College. Burns worked at North Carolina State University College of Veterinary Medicine before entering into a one-year internship program at Forging Ahead, an elite multi-farrier practice in Northern Virginia. Upon completion of the internship, he was retained at Forging Ahead as an associate farrier until joining the college in 2010. Since becoming a faculty member at Virginia Tech, he has given more than 130 presentations to professional and lay groups nationally and internationally. Travis, thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Saddle today. We are very much looking forward to getting to know you and the American Farrier Association. Great. Hey, Katie, thank, thank you very much for allowing me and, and uh, to be a part of this and certainly happy to represent the, the AFA and American Fairs Association. So thanks for your time and the opportunity. Of course, of course. Let's start with the fun stuff. So before this interview, I asked you to prepare two truths and one lie. So go ahead and read those in whatever order, and I'm going to try to guess which one is your lie. Sure, sure. Okay. So the first one is I have a daughter named Maddie. Uh, my wife is a vegetarian. And uh, my dream place to live would be Vancouver, Canada. Ooh. Man, I'm going to guess that your wife is not a vegetarian. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I gotcha, huh? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so you have a daughter named Maddie. How old I, is Maddie? I do. She's 18 months old. Congratulations, yep. brand new. Uh, well, thank you. Yep. No, she's a lot of a lot of fun. She's walking and talking and getting into everything now. So Oh, I'm sure. Causing trouble, it's only gonna get to be more trouble. <laughs> that's that's it. <laughs> and why Vancouver? I mean, not that it's not beautiful. Oh, I, I've been out there several times. I, I do think it is beautiful, you know, just to have the sea and the mountains right there back to back. But um but I think the little microclimate, the the always between like thirty and 60 is just the ideal weather. I think if you can shoe horses in a hoodie all day, that's like the perfect weather for me. Being here in Southwest Virginia, it's it's pretty hot and humid. So, Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, that humidity will get you every time. Well, it's, it's a little humid in Vancouver, right? Because it's next to the ocean. I don't know. I've never been there. No, no, it doesn't seem to be at all. It just, oh. I don't know. It's the, the times I've been out there to visit, it just seems like that perfect weather. Oh, and lots of great sushi and seafood, and that's my mm -hmm. favorite. So Sign me up. I'm, I'm, yep. I'm there. <laughs> yep, for sure. All right, well, let's jump into the association and your connection to them. So 
For those who don't know or who are not familiar, can you give us a basic overview of what the American Farrier Association is? Um, sure. So it's a, an association of fairs that was um, started in the 70s by our founder, Walt Taylor. Originally, just a, a group of fairs getting together to share experiences, education, help each other get better, make a, a professional association and representation of the fair industry to network with other equine professionals and other parts of the, the industry and then other professionals professionals, you know, even outside of the horse industry. It began certification in the 80s, um, and that's probably our crown jewel. So we offer volunteer certification that's recognized both nationally and internationally, which is a wonderful thing for our association. Um, there's several different layers or levels of certification, um, but they all revolve around demonstrating your forging skills, your actual hands-on practical horseshoeing skills, and then written examinations as well, um, you know, based on anatomy, physiology, pathophysiology, things like that. Um, and then, but the association also has grown and grown over the years. So there's many different programs. We run a cultural exchange program with the UK where we send a couple fairs over there for um, six weeks to, to three months at a time. And then they send a couple fairs over here for the same amount of time touring the U.S. and going ferry to ferry. That's been a wonderful way to share ideas, improve the ferry industry, take our, our members that take part in that that program to be able to bring back techniques and, and skills that, that maybe we hadn't been exposed to in the past. Again, all these were started prior to the age of the Internet. And so it's a wonderful way to share information and bring it back and forth. Um, we have a research program where we, we raise money uh, to help fund some research projects. There's a, a team to help fairs if they want to do research to kind of guide them through the process, give them helpful hints and help them go through the through the process. So it's evolved into a lot of things. And then naturally, we still at our core value certification, that's still the basis. And then we also obviously host a yearly convention, which is a continuing education event that'll have a lot of speakers from both the U.S. and from abroad to, again, improve the education, share information. And we host a, an annual contest as well, which will also select our national team who will go on to represent the AFA and ultimately the U.S. and in international team competition. So it, it does a lot of, a lot of different things um, and certainly grown over time. But Martha Jones, our executive director, has done a wonderful job of growing the association. And really, it's it's built on the, the volunteers that, that contribute their time, their experience, and their, their efforts to make the association great. Very cool. I have a couple of follow-up questions to just sort of help me wrap my brain around all of those amazing things. Sure. Um, how many members, or do you have like an estimate of how many total members are part of AFA? I would guess somewhere between 1,500 and 2,000. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And then how many countries do you work with abroad, overseas? I mean, I, you mentioned Europe, but are there others? Uh, there, there are. So we've we've had representation in in Mexico, South Africa. We had a group in Israel approach us about becoming a chapter. Um, so there are several several countries involved and several uh, learning opportunities that have evolved out of that. We've held certifications outside the U.S. Uh, down in Colombia uh, with a with a farrier group down there and and uh, some farrier manufacturers that helped put that that program together. So, cool. so it's definitely the footprint of the, the AFA over the last several years has definitely grown globally. Um, naturally, obviously, with the Internet, social media, all the, the technology that's out there, you know, the world gets smaller every day. And so the AFA has looked to expand its global footprint in the last several years, for sure. Very cool. Well, that's that's huge, right? I mean, you're, you're talking global. We're talking 2000 members. I mean, there's a lot going on. 
How many people are on staff that kind of make that magic happen? Um, right now, I think we have three on staff. Um, so Martha's our executive director. And then we have Karen in the office who does a lot of our admin stuff. She's she's really the heartbeat of certification. We, all that all that paperwork and the, the necessary uh, forms and works that have to be done. She's really the one that keeps us straight on that, which is a wonderful thing. And then we have a new, I believe she's kind of a marketing role and kind of... Um, well, I'll just be honest. In the AFA, you got to kind of be a jack of all trades. So in the office, the the people there, they do all kinds of things. But I think Melanie is trying to work a lot on advertisement and marketing and things like that. And then we have some part-time accounting people as well. Cool. So it's just a handful of folks, uh, you know, that are there day to day. But then, of course, uh, your board of directors yeah. and all kinds of, you know, extensions of people who really volunteer to help. Is that sure. kind of work? Yeah, yeah. We have obviously the, the board of directors representing all the regions in the U.S. So there are three from each of the five regions. So there's 15. And then we have a president, vice president, a treasurer, and then uh, as well as a secretary. And then we have a committee chair. So there's a committee chairman for the certification program, one that runs the cultural exchange program, one that helps plan the convention, one that helps uh, with the contest, one that helps with education outreach, things like this. Um, so really, it's uh, a lot of the a lot of the work is done by by volunteers and the, the members within the association. And, you know, it's still a grassroots organization. So, you know, if I volunteer, usually my wife volunteers, you know, the, the whole family contributes in, in reality. And so the association is, is truly wonderful in that manner, that it is a lot of people that just volunteer their time to try to better the industry. And then naturally, obviously, our, our staff people, they do a wonderful job as well. We certainly couldn't do it without them. Absolutely. Man, and that is just like the crown jewel of the equine industry, right? I mean, time and time again, all these organizations have that same exact community. And it's yeah. just not possible to do all these great things without that. No, no, it, it truly is a community. It truly is a family, I believe. But it is wonderful. I love it. Well, let's talk more about you and your role with the organization. So what's your current connection to AFA um, and what was your previous role with them? So my my current role, I, I serve as a chairman of the bylaws committee, which, you know, essentially just means I help interpret the bylaws, help with any edits to it, help with any policy, things, things like that. Um, I'm also an examiner within the certification system. So one of the guys that go around the country to help administer those examinations. Um, and then I'm currently this year, I'm the immediate past president of the association. And then previously, I've chaired the education committee. I've been a tester within the organization. I've been on the board of directors, been a president. Um, so I've, I've worn many caps within the AFA and spent a lot of years uh, volunteering my time and, and spending it with the organization. So, so naturally, obviously, it's an association and organization I, I feel very strongly about and really believe in. Sounds like you know it inside and out, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've done a lot with them. So I've seen the good and the bad and everything in between. For sure. For sure. Are you also a farrier? Probably a silly question, but I'm guessing that's the <laughs> <It is> a, <laughs> I, I, I am a farrier. Yep. So I, I shoe horses. That's my predominant role. I, I do actually, I'm employed by the Virginia Maryland College of Veterinary Medicine. So I work on campus at the vet school at Virginia Tech in the veterinary teaching hospital. So I do work is a farrier the majority of the time trimming and shoeing horses but but obviously working at a university i have a large teaching component to teach undergrads and vet students and then a little bit of a research component as well as well as outreach within the community and the, the state of virginia i love that that is super awesome and to, just to have you as like a voice to teach and to lead um both in the organization as well as at virginia tech is really awesome yeah yeah 
I've just been very, very lucky in my life to, to have some of these doors open. Definitely. Well, we've mentioned a couple of times the certification program. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd love for you to speak to that a little bit and why it's so important to use a certified farrier. Um, well, I think it's really important to, to utilize a certified farrier because it it certainly gives you an individual that values continued education and making themselves better and putting themselves out there for uh, peer evaluation or assessment in order to be judged and get feedback and get better. So farrier certification within the U.S is entirely voluntary. You know, we are not a licensed regulated profession within the U.S., um, but uh, but certainly the American Fairs Association has the the longest and most respected certification program within the the U.S., and there are many, many different levels. Um, And so naturally, any fair that goes through that process, their skill set gets better and better as they go through the process. It's a way to learn. So you can have education through certification. You also have education after the certification, the feedback that the, the fair receives and goes home and practices and gets gets better. And ultimately, the reason they're doing that is obviously to invest in themselves. You know, they obviously have a strong interest in learning, getting better, you know, getting assessment, getting feedback. But ultimately, the reason they do that is they want to get better. They want to do a better job for the horse and, and ultimately for the overall well-being of the horse. So so working with an AFA certified farrier, you know, you can, you can bet that that person has put in a lot of time developing their skill set, advancing themselves, getting better and and wanting to do the best for the horse. Sure. No, I love all that. And honestly, for me as a horse owner, it's just peace of mind, right? Like I rely so heavily on my farrier to keep my horse sound and knowing sure. that they're certified and care about their skill set and continually improve upon it. I sure don't know anything about it, but boy, I sure put a lot of trust in that person to come out and make sure my horses are healthy and safe. Sure, sure. And obviously the fair has a great influence on, you know, the overall health care of the horse, the, the foot, and ultimately their long-term soundness. Absolutely. It's important to invest in a good, educated, professional farrier. Absolutely. And since it is voluntary, you know, there's a lot of people out there who uh, may say they're farriers and, you know, it's kind of, it's sort of a gamble when you try a new farrier. I'm always like so weary, Um, but knowing that they have that certification is just, like I said, peace of mind, just that little piece of like, okay, this is, this is great. This is going to be okay. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good thing. Well, what's a common misconception that people may have about farriers and can you bust it? common misconception that people have about fairs. I think oftentimes uh, a lot of people, you know, there's the the old phrase or, or statement, you know, that fairs have to have a strong back and a weak mind. And I think that ridiculous. You know, I think the fair profession throughout the, the years has become more and more educated. And and I think it's remarkable now, even within our organization, you know, there's many of them are now college educated. A lot of them have master's degree. There's even PhDs within our association that work as full-time fairs. And I think that's quite, quite remarkable. But I, I think the, the old age thought that it's just a big, strong, burly man that, that maybe wasn't that educated is is truly false. And now, you know, obviously you've got such educated people, such great skill set. And then the diversity within the fair industry is astonishing, you know, from the the female representation, the 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 size and shape that you'll see and all the all the people involved in the association. So it's quite quite a diverse group. That is the perfect myth to bust. Um, I, I just know, like I've talked to a couple of farriers and I have like what I think is a simple question, right? About, you know, why are you doing that way? Or, you know, what do you think about this? And just them launching into the logic and the physics and the mechanics of how and why and what they're doing. I mean, it's over my head. <laughs> oh, sure. No, a lot more goes into it than just making a foot flat and nailing a piece of metal on there. 
For sure. Definitely. Well, is there a common misconception about AFA itself? And can we bust that? Oh, absolutely. So so within the the fair profession, how the AFA is often viewed is that it's a group of people that just really want to focus on shoemaking and competing and and doing something like we call perimeter fitting. So just fitting the, the bottom of the horse's foot in a very specific way, not necessarily what is best for, for that individual horse and ultimately the individual foot. Um, and I think that's just a false narrative. You know, it's just a, a one-sided view just from the outside looking at our contests. And so, I mean, obviously a large portion of those are shoe making. Um, and then certainly the test, when you think about how you're going to test a test a fair, you have to try to make it as objective as possible. And so you have to make some standards. And one of the, the easier standards to, to measure is can you trim a foot in a manner that you can shape and fit a shoe to exactly how you trimmed it. And so that's not necessarily a prescription for how every horse should be shod every single day. It's just a way to provide a, a, a relatively fair, uniform assessment. But I, I think within the AFA and the, the organization, we have fairs from all different skill sets and backgrounds and, and how they they problem solve and trim and shoe each individual horse and for each individual confirmation or disease pathology. There's a lot of variety in that. So a lot of people think, you know, AFA fairs just shoe in one specific manner. But I, I think it's across the board, the the wide ranging skill sets that uh, the membership have from being able to make shoes to glue on shoes to cast shoes on to 3D print horseshoes to uh, setting shoes back using therapeutic shoes like natural balance shoes or rocker motion shoes or or anything. There's a there's a wide, diverse uh, skill set and, uh, and ability within the, the AFA membership. Sure. So many different skills to learn and to perfect and continue learning. I would love to go to one of your competitions. I think that'd be so interesting. Oh, it's wonderful. So we do have our 50th year anniversary of our convention and contest um, in Arlington, Texas this November. And it, it is a sight to see. You'll see over 100 fairs compete there as well as having continued education events. Uh, you know, we'll have lecture series. We'll have some hands-on portions. Well, a certification portion will be running simultaneously. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. And then there'll, you'll have live shoeing demonstrations. And then there's a large marketplace where the uh, fair industry suppliers, distributors, manufacturers will all be represented. And then some even some... Uh, manufacturers and and things inside the horse profession, but not necessarily specific to the fair profession will be represented there as well. So it's a wonderful, wonderful time, the AFA annual convention. And certainly being the 50th anniversary, there will be a lot of really cool stuff this year. Oh, I bet. All right, Texas, November, here we come. (laughs) Yep, that'd be fun. I'm sure they'd love to have you there. Representing professional farriers, veterinarians, suppliers, and horse owners, the American Farriers Association is the oldest and largest membership organization for the farrier industry in North America, and the only one with internationally recognized standards of competency through the certification programs. Setting the standard for excellence in hoof care, the AFA provides professional development, certification, leadership, and resources for the benefit of the farrier industry and the welfare of the horse. Download the American Farriers Association app to learn more. Well, let's talk a little bit more about you and how you sort of got here. So what was your journey, like your education through to today? 
what led you here? How did you end up where you are, Travis? Oh, mine's kind of kind of all over the place. So I, I grew up in Western North Carolina and my, my family, my uncle ran a trail guide service there inside the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. And so from the time I was a little kid, I was always around horses and doing things. And, and uh, I was a bit hyperactive as a kid and didn't necessarily want to sit still all the time. I mean, sometimes I could, but when my uncle and father and my other uncle would shoe the horses in the barn, I wasn't really allowed to be there. And now I certainly see why, like, you know, a, a wild little kid bouncing around, knocking over wheelbarrows and doing stuff is not what you want around while you're shooting a horse. And so naturally I kind of became obsessed with it. I wanted to, to participate, be a part of it. To, to me, it was cool. I mean, you're banging on a piece of metal, you're, you're putting a shoe on a horse's foot, like it just looked cool. And so they started to help me and, and let me, let me learn and see some things. And so I got to help them and participate. And then, you know, I got to start trimming some horses on my own, shoeing some horses on my own. And then I went off to college at the University of Tennessee. And I just happened to be able to walk by the vet school while a vet and a fairy were working on a laminitis case. And so that fairy had made a shoe and was uh, doing some welding and grinding. And that was pretty cool. I'd never really seen that done before. And then they were doing something called a full dorsal hoof wall resection as a part of the treatment. So it's when you'll remove the entire epidermal hoof wall at the toe to try to provide aid to a horse in laminitis. So I really thought that was cool. I'd never seen therapeutic shoeing like that. And so that really kind of curtailed my interest into the therapeutic aspect and it certainly made me realize there was more to the fairy industry that I didn't know. And so I went off to a, a fairy school in North Carolina at that point. And then throughout my college career, I, I did transfer to North Carolina State University, which is where I would graduate with my degree in animal science. And there I got to work with a lot of fairs in the Raleigh area. I got to work with a fair and a vet fairy team that would do the, the work at the North Carolina State University's College of Veterinary Medicine. And then I was lucky enough to get a job there working in radiology, trying to decide if I wanted to go to vet school or not. Um, and then I realized, you know, obviously just the, the fairy component, the trimming and shoeing of the horse was what I wanted to do. And so while I was there, they they helped me. They allowed me to shoe some horses there. Kind of, it just grew and grew from there. And then I realized there was still more to learn and more I wanted to do. So I, after I graduated from undergrad and worked for for that vet school for a year, I actually moved to Northern Virginia to work with a fair who did primarily all therapeutic work um, up in Northern Virginia and joined a multi-fair practice called Forging Ahead, which was ran by a guy named Paul Goodness at the time. And so there I was uh, their first intern. So I was just supposed to spend a year working with the group there. And then after uh, that year, I stayed on as an associate fair within the group for a while. And eventually landed the job I have here in Blacksburg uh, in 2010. So I came here to work for uh, Virginia Tech's College of Veterinary Medicine or the Virginia Maryland College of Veterinary Medicine. And then while working here, I've actually went on and, and continued my education and actually finished a, a master's degree actually in veterinary education. So I went kind of from animal science and, you know, focusing on that aspect. Uh, once I got here, like I said, a big part of my teaching or a big part of my job was teaching. And certainly I got the job because I can kind of show a horse and they don't really teach you how to teach. And so I really wanted to learn more about how people learn and how I could be a more effective teacher. So I went through a, a master's program uh, from the Royal Veterinary College and as a part of the University of London. Goodness sake. <laughs> so it's kind of all over the place. 
<laughs> well, there's just so much learning. I just love, like you kept saying, you know, I realized there was more to learn here. And then I was yeah. interested in this and I wanted to learn about that. Like each phase just led you down a new path of like new skills to learn and new interests. Wow. And I love I, that. Absolutely. And that, and I would say in the fear industry, it's one of the things I love the most is there's, there's always more to, more to learn, more to do, more to research. You know, you never fully have a hundred percent grasp on it. And then, you know, with the new technologies that are coming into it, there's always more to learn all, all different aspects from the adhesive properties to the adhesives we use to glue on shoes to the technologies used to 3D print horseshoes. You know, in this profession, it's easy to, to be a lifetime learner and, and constantly learning something new. That's one of the things I like the most about the fairy profession. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what is next for you? What are you hoping to learn next or do next or try next? What's next? Oh, uh, I don't know. I always, you know, in the past year, toying with the idea of maybe a PhD and continuing on down that that path. Um, I don't know if I would do it through the education route or, or try to... Uh, Look into something more like the biomechanics of the the horse or shoeing um, is one option, and then certainly this this past year I've I've wanted to compete more and go to more fair contests, uh, which are a lot of a lot of fun. Uh, but also I have a little eighteen month old girl, so uh, I find myself where I used to spend extra hours at school practicing or learning or reading. I, I find myself now going to a park or going for a walk or playing out in the dirt or doing something like that. So so that's a really fun aspect of my life right now as well. Yes, such an exciting new chapter. Sure. Yep. <laughs> well, what advice do you have? Um, you've been through pretty much every phase, you know, learned so many things along the way and kind of followed different routes. So I think you're a great person to give advice. So what advice do you have to someone looking to pursue a career that's similar to yours? Well, I think for, for somebody that wants to, to be a full-time farrier, uh, my biggest advice would be to, to find a, a group of mentors and people to help you. So, so the first thing I would recommend them to do is find a farrier to go and ride with them and see what everyday life is like, um, you know, from the phone calls that you have to make to the billing, to the invoicing, to the different horses you have to be a part of, the different teams you work with from different owners, barn managers, trainers, chiropractics, all these individuals. And, and make sure that you you see the life and see that it is something you want to do because it's certainly not not for everyone and it's not as simple as oh you just like horses and so you just want to get into this one aspect of it there's there's still a lot of other people interactions you're a part of a, a much bigger team it's not just being around the horse there's obviously a big business component running your own business to scheduling to invoicing to, to supplying inventory management all of those things and I think it's important for a person to go in wide-eyed about it and make sure they know what they're getting into because we do have a high rate of attrition. So a lot of people that start down the fair path, they don't make it to the five-year mark. And I think it's important for people to make sure they know what they're getting into. And then from there, I would tell them to invest in the longest fair school that they can afford both financially and time commitment wise in their their life. So obviously, if you've got a couple kids and a wife or a husband, you know, a family, a farm, something you have to, to manage, obviously, you can't be a away as long as others. But for however much time you can be away, the more time you spend in a fair school, the better you will get. And, and I even encourage people, you know, not to just go to just one fair school, go to a couple, you'll get something different from each one. And then when you leave fair school, I encourage 
encourage everyone to find a mentoring group, some at least one fairy to work with, if not multiple fairies to, to work with. And then I would encourage them to work with those individuals as long as they can, both time commitment wise and financially. And so if you do go that route, you'll learn a lot. You'll be protected. You'll get better clients uh, to begin with out of the gate. And then you'll you'll start to build that community of, of people that you can lean on for advice, uh, you know, help when you have questions, you know, just somebody to lean on when you're having a bad day, when it's 100 degrees and four horses have lost shoes and you're having to, you know, work on a horse that's not very cooperative or something. You know, you've got a group that you can lean on and get some get some help and 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 be there for you. And then naturally, certainly to, to keep uh, investing in their education and advancing their skill sets So going to continue education events, going through certification, joining associations like the American Fairs Association, joining and becoming involved in the state local chapters like the Virginia Horseshoers Association or the Tennessee Fairs Association or whatever, you know, becoming and being a part of of that community and all of those things. I heard four four distinct things, right? So Shadow the farrier, find a mentor yep. so you can decide if this is what you really want to do. Yep. Invest in the longest farrier school and educational opportunity that you can. Absolutely. Find a mentoring group and continue to build that community so you have people to go to for advice. And then continue education. If you can, go back and can keep up on that certification and keep learning. Absolutely. No, if you can do those four things, you're setting yourself up for success. There's no no doubt about it. And sure, I mean, they're not all days are great, but uh, but if you you take that path, I think fairs will be successful in the end. There you go. You heard it here. Travis is telling you. Yep. <laughs> well, in your own words, Travis, what does it mean to you to be an equine industry professional? I mean, you just sort of talked about all those different individuals you have to work with professionally from the chiropractor to the veterinarian to the owner itself. So from your perspective, what does it mean to be an equine industry professional? Well, I mean, my perspective, I think, you know, obviously me, I'm biased. I'm a farrier. So I, I think, you know, I should have a, be an expert in my field of profession. So, so know as much as I possibly can uh, about it. And then I, I think it's important to, to have the drive and determination to do the best possible job I want to uh, or I can every single day on every single horse and every single situation that you get involved in. And then I think obviously it's a professional's duty to continue to invest in their education, to, to stay abreast of the new science, the new technology, the new supplies, the new techniques that are available and uh, and become options. You know, make sure we know and understand what's out there, what we could do to, to help the overall well-being of the horse. And then I think to be a professional, a true professional, you have to be able to work as a team. So I think it's important to treat others with respect, stay within the bounds of our profession um, and just being overall just a good, good teammate because we're all there, you know, from the owner, the rider, the trainer, the farrier, the everybody. We're all there just to help the horses as best we can. So I think it's important to keep your ego out of it and just be a good, good teammate. Sometimes easier said than done, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes some people seem to struggle with that. Yeah, but right. But you're right. It is all about the horses, and ultimately, that's kind of why we're all yep. here, is because we love them at the end of the day. So, uh, do yep. you have horses? Uh, we do. Yeah. So my wife and I, we actually have two. So we have uh, a horse that uh, I got when I was very young, 13, 14 years, years old. We got it. Uh, it was a part of the the riding program that my uncle ran and he's since retired from there. And so he just lives out in the pasture. And then my wife has her horse, Roxy, who she, she shows and competes with. And then uh, we're actually building a house on some, some property right now 
And uh, I am sure the second we move out there full time, she will want another horse. And then I'm sure little Maddie will not be far behind her wanting a pony or something. I was just going to say, next <laughs> up is something for Maddie, right? <laughs> uh, absolutely. I'm voting for a four-wheeler, but but I think I'm going to lose that battle to the horse. Well, maybe. <laughs> yep, I think so. What discipline does your wife ride or do you ride? Well, she does dressage and, and kind of eventing. Um, and then I I do nothing more than jump on Roach's back and just kind of ride around the, the pasture. I don't really show or do anything like that. That's all you need, right? With yep. vitamin H. <laughs> yep. Nah. I, I'm perfectly happy to be on the ground and just hang out with horses. There you go. I love it. <laughs> Well, Travis, this has been awesome. I feel like I have learned so much um, about you and your journey, but also about the American Farrier Association. So thank you for really, this has been educational. Wonderful, <laughs> wonderful. And and one thing I did forget about the American Farriers Association is we do actually have a, a lot of horse owners that have become members now and they, you know, they get to be involved in the educational process, the 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 magazines that we put out, all the educational materials we put out. And so it's not just an association that's exclusive to, to farriers. So cool. just one, one important thing I forgot. No, yeah, that's awesome. I didn't know that. That is very important. So yep. me as a horse owner, I should go check it out. A absolutely. No, we'd love to have you. Perfect. Uh, what's the best place that the audience, anybody listening, that they can connect with you or connect with AFA if they have questions or want to learn more or get involved? What should they um, do? The, the best place to start with uh, the AFA or the American Farriers Association is our website. So it's just AmericanFarriers.org. And then there is a new AFA app out there for, for droids and, and iPhones. Um, so it's a wonderful resource for educational materials, calendars, what's going on, information about the association, uh, find a farrier app or, or listing. So if you're looking for a farrier in your area that's a part of the AFA, it's a great way to find one. And then me Personally, I guess the, the best place would probably be our, our vet school's website. So just Googling the Virginia Maryland College of Veterinary Medicine. So the website's actually vetmed.vt.edu. And that's a, a wonderful place to find some info. Perfect. All right. Going to the app store now. <laughs> yep. Well, to close us out, um, I'd love for you to just give us some food for thought, maybe your favorite quote, just something you want to leave the listeners with when they like their number one takeaway when they look back on this episode. Uh, I guess my my favorite quote is from from Dr. Seuss. And it's uh, obviously be who you who you are, say how you feel. Those that matter don't mind and those that mind don't matter. Um, so I think it's just important, you know, out there, any reservations you have about going to continue education event or getting involved in any aspect of, of learning. Remember that every expert started at the bottom. And so don't be afraid to, to get out of your bubble and go and learn and do more. Thanks for riding along. Know someone that would be great to interview? Have questions you'd like answered on the podcast? Send me an email at beyondthesaddlepodcast at gmail.com or join the conversation on social media. You can connect with us and learn more about the Beyond the Saddle podcast by following us on Facebook and Instagram at Beyond the Saddle Podcast. Find more episodes anywhere that you get your podcasts, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Beyond the Saddle is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of the Equine Network.